we're going to look at Jonah, chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 5. Amen. Jonah. Jonah, there we go. Chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. We might find ourselves... Getting into this, and we need to understand what God wants us to know. <clears throat> Sounds like we're there, amen. Amen. Verse 1, John chapter 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh mm-hmm. and preach All right. against it. Yep. Because his wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord, almost appropriate given what's going on out in the Atlantic, then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own idol God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck. Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Our topic for this fine men's day, this men's empowerment day, the question I want you brothers to consider and go home and lose a little sleep over is are you Rocking the boat. Our topic is, are you rocking the boat? I find that as I spend time around church, that something that bothers me is unfolding before our eyes. Men are confused about being men, and women are confused about being women. We have thought about theology. We have thought about gender roles and titles and responsibility so much to the point that we're missing the fact that on any given Sunday there are way more women in church come on now than men. I had hoped that if I came here today that I would see almost 50-50 this morning, but not quite. Amen. This confusion about what men and women are supposed to be doing in the kingdom of God, I believe, is why our churches nationally and worldwide are suffering from rocking boats. Amen. It is this confusion about who the captain of the boat is. Amen. And who is supposed to be helping to steer it and helping to guide it and navigate it through the water 
of this world that we find ourselves in, this fallen world full of sin, I think it's the confusion of who is supposed to be the captain of that boat, the role and the responsibility of men on that boat that lead to this confusion that causes the boat to rock, amen. We have men's ministries because we believe that there is a specific theological role that men have in the kingdom of God that is so significant to the success of the church and the kingdom of God to your family, to your home and your community that we set aside time specifically to minister to you. Amen? Amen. And it is the specific truth that we seek out to relate to you that you were not created a man by accident. That the sovereign God of the universe, the one that blew the breath of life into Adam, the one that strung the, the, the planets into the universe and set the stars into their proper place and set the orbits of all the heavenly bodies, the one that was perfect and flawless and without, without sin, he is the one who took time out of his eternal schedule to make you a man. It wasn't a chance of just genetic coincidence and random probability. No, God himself made you a man. Amen. And when we fail to acknowledge that, when we fail to give credence to it, when we fail to pay attention to it, we find that our boats well, are rocking, amen. All right. We find that our boats yeah. begin to rock. Yes, yes. I've got four points for us this morning to consider as we go through this men's day message. The first point is disobedience. 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 We are reminded, brothers, that we are men in some uncanny ways by God. Well, Before I got up this morning and got fully dressed, Sister Joyce, I had to shave, amen. Mm-hmm. I had to go and knock down some whiskers, Reverend Zola, coffee that were on my face. So that I would look presentable before y'all this morning, amen. 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 I, I would hate for you to, to, to see me up here looking disheveled. And we were talking about Brother Small, we should have done a little bit better, amen. Yes, sir. I was reminded with that facial hair that I was a man. Uh-huh. And when I looked at my broad shoulders and my chest in the mirror, yes. I saw the, def- the definition, not a lot of definition, but I saw some definition of Amazon Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Of muscle. Muscle. Amen. Muscle. I saw some. Also, and that definition reminded me, brothers, that I was, in fact, a man. When I got up this morning, not to be too graphic, I had to relieve myself. And when I did that, I was reminded that I was a man. And it is, it is that constant reminder that God has in my life built into my very existence that I have to be obedient to. We see that Jonah, in our text, is a classic narrative, a classic account of the root cause of all of mankind's sin, disobedience. We heard about spiritual maturity calling men to go from babes in Christ into fully grown, actualized adults. Spiritual immaturity, impotent ministries, and confused leadership are some of the consequences, the the dire consequences of disobedience. See, Jonah made a fundamental mistake that we all make. Jonah thought God asked him uh-huh. to go preach. God told Jonah to go preach. Oh, yeah, y'all, y'all didn't get happy with me on that one. That, that, that felt pretty good when I put that on my notes, amen. Let me come back at that thing a different way. Let me, let me, let me, let me try to come in a different way here. Uh, 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 God wasn't sitting around taking 
a, a survey of with Jonah to see how Jonah felt about his preaching of possibilities. He actually told Jonah to go and preach. Amen. Oh, why did you get happy with me this morning? See, I grew up in the household of Frank and Barbara Smallwood. Amen. Those are my parents. And my father was not the type of man that he, he asked me to do anything, amen. My, my, my father told me to do things, amen. My father told me to get up in the morning. My father told me to go out and work in the yard and help him, and help him as a carpenter's assistant, amen. My father told me these things. You understand what happens if you disobey when you're told something, don't you? You understand that he takes off that leather belt that he has had for years and... That the sweat he has hardened up a little bit and, and he folds it together and he and he and he gives me some motivation, amen, <laughs> to go and do what he has told me to do. And this is what has infected, I believe, and this is what has infected our theology as men, is that we think when we are told to love our wives as Christ loved the church, that we're being asked oh, no, no. to be good men at home. See, we think that when we're told to come to Bible study and to pursue knowledge in the Word, that we're being asked to come to Bible study and come to Sunday school. Amen. I, 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 think, we, I think we have confused ourselves into thinking that we're being asked to give money. Y'all over here this church. In the offering plate. Instead of being told to be a cheerful giver so that we can be generous on every occasion. See, see the confusion between being asked and being told is will get you in some trouble, see, because see, Jonah, he thought that he was being asked to go preach. I'm reminded of the scripture here in Acts chapter 9, verse 15, when Jesus commissioned Paul to go and become an apostle. And, and the Lord said, but the Lord said to Ananias, go, go Ananias, this man, Paul, is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles. And their kings and to the people of Israel. It wasn't an optional thing, men, to go and do this. This is something we were told to do, to be men in the kingdom of God. We're told to be men in the kingdom. You're not being asked to be a man in the kingdom of God. You're being told to be a man in the kingdom of God. And if I'm going to do anything I'm told to do, Ramzo, I got to understand what it is I'm being told to do. Yes, sir. So I've got to spend time in the Lighthouse Men's Ministry here in New Friendship so that I can understand what God would have me as a man to do. I've got to honor the legacy of my friend, Deacon Ernest Tinsley, when he spent time teaching and preaching and mentoring men. I've got to understand what God would have me do as Jameson Smallwood as a man so that I can make sure that I'm not about to rock my boat, amen. Our second point is that rocking the boat through disobedience creates danger in our lives. Danger is the second point. Jonah's disobedience, it triggered God's wrath. Just like Adam's disobedience in the Garden of Eden triggered God's wrath. And see, we have to pay attention, men. With the attention to this text in, 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 in Genesis, nothing bad happened when Eve ate the fruit. Amen. That's right. The trouble started. That's right. 
the one man in the garden took the fruit and took a big bite out of it. See, Satan has us thinking that it's our wives who are doing these things that's causing the trouble. That's not what it is, man. See, Satan's got us thinking that it's sister so-and-so in, in the church who's doing these things that's got the problem going on. No, no, no. It's the fact that men are being disobedient to the call of manhood in the kingdom of God that's got these things going on. Amen. And sisters, I know I'm a little hard talking about what men need to be doing. So I'm not dismissive of your contribution to the kingdom of God. Amen. Because I know that most of what y'all are doing is because you can't find a man to do it. Amen. Because we have a tendency as men to sit around and be lazy and sorry and and excuse making and baby, baby, whining and whining and excuse ourselves out of everything we're asked to do. And see, these super saints in the church, they don't care really talk about the church down the street. I ain't talking about y'all. I'm talking about the church down the street, amen. These super saints get so holy in their head that they think that all person can tell me to do anything is either Jesus or the pastor. Not realizing that if the pastor has asked you to be the president of a ministry in the church, when you go and ask that person to do something on behalf of the pastor, it is as, in fact, the pastor asking them themselves. responsibilities in the kingdom of God when, when, when we're called to be men. Amen. Yeah. See, we're called to be teachers of the word. We're called to be students of the word. We're called to be knowledgeable leaders in our churches. Amen. And let me tell you something else. It doesn't matter how much, you, how loud you can talk in church. It doesn't matter how much money you give in church. At the end of the day, you're not leading if you don't know what God has said in his word. Joshua chapter 7. Verses 24 through 25. Then Joshua, together with all Israel, took Achan, son of Zerah, the silver he had taken when God told him not to take that, it was a cursed thing. The robe, the gold bars, his son, all here in his church, his sons and his sons, his cattle, donkeys, and sheep, his tent, his home. And all that he had to the valley of Achor. Joshua said, Why have you brought this trouble on us? Because you have been disobedient. Amen. The Lord will bring trouble on you. Trouble. 
have any confusion about why your home might be rocking this morning. Why your marriage might be rocking this morning. Why your children might be rocking this morning. Why your community might be rocking this morning. Then, after he stoned him, and after they had stoned the rest, the whole family died because of what one man did. One man's disobedience. How many families are dying? Spiritually. Physically. Because men aren't learning what thus said the Lord. How many communities are shriveling up and dying because there aren't men in the communities that are spiritually respectable? How many? How many ministries and churches are dying and starving for men because men are being disobedient to their role in the kingdom of God. They stone them all because of what one man did. If that's not danger, I don't know what is. My third point is despair said Jonah realized that he was causing problems because God was punishing him for disobeying the call to preach. The men Jonah had hired to help him run from God, those who were enabling Jonah's disobedience, found their lives cargo, and if you ain't, if you ain't moved by none of that, their money at risk because of Jonah's disobedience. Amen. These men had nothing to do with the situation that Jonah had initiated between him and God. Amen. They had nothing to do with it. All they knew was that Jonah was a man who had paid some money to hop on a boat. That's all they knew. And then while they were doing their job, carrying the cargo and the shipping, uh, the shipping pallets across the across the sea, Jonah was there asleep, comfortable in his sin. And all of a sudden, God Almighty sent a storm. That storm might have been named Irma. I I, I believe that's what the Bible in the Jameson Smallwood translation says that the storm was named Irma. That storm came over the boat and began to rock the boat. Amen. Amen. And these sailors who were experienced seamen looked around and said, Why is this boat rocking so bad? What kind of storm is this? And they began to respond with non-spiritual solutions. They began taking cargo that they had been paid to carry across and throw it over into the over into the sea. So that they wouldn't die in this in this traveling across this sea. And then they realized something very peculiar. Why is it that we're up here scared for our lives in the middle of this great storm? And then we see this brother down here in the bottom of the ship sleep, amen. Y'all might can't picture this in your in your sanctified imagination. So let me help you. Bring this story here. Brother, I'm going to help you with this. Amen. See, 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 I, this, this, let's see what this looks like in the church. See, why is it that we're the ones at, out here doing the work that men have been called to do when there's some brothers who are at home? Amen. Sleep. Amen. Why is it that we're the ones giving? Amen. When there's some brothers who are out here 
Tuesday morning. Why is it that pastor has me praying all the time when there's other brothers in the church who can pray, amen, because they're what? Sleep. Amen. See, anytime you find yourself wondering, well, am I rocking the boat? Am I the one causing the boat to rock? Are you being disobedient to God? Because every man who is disobedient to God has influence over the same things that I named earlier. Family, communities, their homes, their marriage, their ministries. And if you are a man with influence and you're in a situation where you're being disobedient to God, you're rocking the boat. Are you so comfortable, brothers, in disobeying God that you act as if nothing is wrong around you? When you see your families in turmoil, when you see your marriage falling apart, when you see your ministry struggling for participation, when people have to overcome your lack of participation instead of being blessed by your participation, what are you doing, brothers and sisters? Amen. Are you sweet? Amen. I didn't even throw sisters in there, amen. This thing got so good, I was starting to spread it out across all the people. I didn't, I didn't even hit y'all sisters, amen. Amen. But if this was a women's day message, you just replaced men, the word men with women, and you got the same message, amen. So whoever's preaching here Women's Day, take this and fill it in the blank, and you're good to go, amen? All right. Are the lives and possessions of others in danger? Because they are enabling you to continue in your disobedience. I'm going to tell a story here. It's a very personal story. It's a very personal story. Uh, back in, I want to say 2009, 2008, whenever President Obama initiated the stimulus program to try to save the economy, uh, I got a check in the mail, just like most people did. I got a $600 check in the mail, amen. And I said, praise the Lord, amen. I've been paying these taxes all these years. I finally, I got a little something unexpected. I got a $600 check in the mail. And then all of a sudden, just like that, Reverend over coffee, I got a phone call saying that a loved one was locked up in jail. Six hundred dollars gone, amen. Just like that. See, his, his disobedience, his lack of his lack of honoring God in his life, it didn't just get him locked up. It took six hundred dollars out of my back pocket, amen. But I praise God that it didn't come from new money, it didn't come from old money, amen, but it came from that new money he sent during that stimulus time. See, it's always a material consequence when you disobey God. God uses all of that stuff to get your attention. People start losing jobs. People start getting evicted from homes. People start having financial difficulties. All of these things come from a lack of obedience to an almighty an all-powerful God. How many people are in your life are watching you flounder around in disobedience? Are watching you flounder in sin and wondering and suffering with you in silence, trying to get you to stand up right and rightfully in place as a man? How many people are doing this? How many people such as a pastor are constantly counseling with you to get you to do the right thing, amen? How many people such as your wife are praying and wearing out their knees, amen? How many mothers are crying for your, for, for your tormented soul? 
How many fathers have rubbed, have rubbed their hands and washed their hands of you because they're tired of you being disobedient? Amen. How many social programs do they have to find to get you to, to get you to, to do the right thing? How many times do, the, do your kids have to go to school and get expelled from cussing because you don't taught them how to cuss better than sailors by what's coming out your mouth? Amen. How many times does your wife have to go to church by herself because you're now participating in the things that God has called you to do? How many brothers down the street who could be saved, they come to full circle, amen, are, are missing the opportunity to hear the word of God because you don't know it well enough to lead someone to Christ, amen? How many people in our community are seeing boys growing up shooting, killing each other, robbing and stealing because they don't have an example of a man to look up to in the community that they find out to be a hypocrite or find out out there doing the same thing that they're doing, amen? How many brothers? How many? Amen. All right. And you young, and you young men, always oh, coming. I didn't call you boys. I called you men. Because it's just a matter of time before you become anatomically men. You have a responsibility to grow up in the kingdom of God. This church isn't just a church of all these brothers up here working and serving. This is your future church, amen. Amen. I'm talking to everybody in here, amen. Even those in the corner who got who, who got their mic on, amen. I need you to pay attention because at the end of the day, it's going to be your responsibility one day to be in this church, amen, leading the men and guiding the men and taking care of the things in the, in the kingdom of God. And nobody's going to be here to, to, to baby you. This is an opportunity for you to grow spiritually, amen. This is an opportunity for you to take on the mantle of leadership in the church, amen. Find you a brother and make him your mentor. Take him, sit down with him and talk to him about something more than what's going on in football game and, and what's going on in sports. Talk to him about the kingdom of God. Talk to him about what it means to be a deacon. Talk to him about what it means to be in the men's choir. Talk to him about what it means to be a steward or a trustee of the church. Talk to the pastor about how do I get up here and learn more about God so that maybe one day I can give him a preacher word, amen. You got to grow up in the kingdom of God, man. I'm 34 years old. Yeah. 34 years old. And I've been up here in North Georgia ripping and running for eight years. Uh-huh. I was out of church for about five of those years uh, back before I got into church for the last eight, amen? I'm not special. I'm just, a, I'm just one example That's right. of what God can do if you would if you would hear the word, uh-huh. take it in your heart. All right. And apply it. Amen. Amen. That leads us to my final point: decisions. We talked about disobedience. We talked about the danger that comes from disobedience. We talked about the despair that came from disobedience and the danger that Jonah went through. Yeah. Jonah thought that he could throw himself overboard. And that it would bring a calm to the storm. How many people commit suicide because they think that that's the way to escape the consequences of a life full of disobedience? How many people kill themselves? How many people resort to drugs and alcohol and beat their wives and abuse their children and spend up all kind of money on credit cards trying to go through retail therapy when all they need to do is honor and be obedient? To the word of God. Amen. Decisions are important. Yeah. After convincing the boatman to throw him over, 
Jonah's disobedience, Jonah's disobedience relented, and God rescued him from the sea in the belly of a great fish. All right. Jonah eventually went on to preach at Nineveh. Yeah. How do you fix disobedience? Tell us, tell us. How do you function as a man in the kingdom of God the way that you're intended to function? It is simply fixed when we begin to make right decisions. Amen. Amen. We have to look at what we're doing and what we're called to do and begin to do what we are called to do. James chapter 1, verses 22 through 24 says, Do not merely listen to the word. Don't just hear this sermon and leave. And so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word, but does not do what it says, is like someone who looks at himself, his face in a mirror, and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Ephesians chapter 4 tells me that the cure for this rocking boat, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 14 says, the cure for this rocking boat is, then, once we're in unity, because I'm giving you a little bit of context, we will no longer be infants. Infants. We won't have them baby shoes on anymore. Tossed back and forth by the waves. And blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Your boat will stop rocking, amen. Oh, that's good there, church. Let me read that again because y'all don't get happy with me. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful schemes. The wind and the water makes the boat rock, amen. But if the wind stops blowing, if I stop being tossed to and fro, then my boat ain't rocking no more, amen. amen. Glory to God. Amen. My, my, my. The best decision any man can make to stop his personal boat from rocking All right. is to accept Jesus Christ, yes, the Son of God, yes, as his Lord and Savior. Yes, the sincere call of Christ has always called men from their empty pursuits into fulfilling, long-lasting, rewarding, trying, difficult, but fulfilling ministry. Amen. It always has called us out of foolishness and nonsense into the light of doing what God has called us to do in the kingdom of God. You have to understand that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He was born of a virgin. He lived a perfect and blameless life. He he walked around doing miracles, opening the ears of the dead, and loosening the tongues of the mute. And and men got together and conspired with him. Conspired against him, I should say. And then they got together with a crooked judge, and they threw him in jail. And then he came out of jail and stood before the people and they could have let him go. But they picked the old killer named Barabbas instead of Jesus. And Jesus, knowing that this was the will of God, he went to the cross and he died for the sins of me. He died for the sins of you. He died for the sins of that brother at home. He died for the sins of that father at home. He died for that cousin that won't come to church. He died for that brother who won't come to church. He died for them, amen. And that wasn't good enough. Because I got ahead of my story, Rams on the call. He walked out in the water one day in a boat, amen, with the rest of the men. And he was down in the bottom sleep, amen. And then the brothers came out and said, Lord, what are we going to do about this storm? So they got scared and they went and woke Jesus up. Because why? Their boat 
o'clock and amen. So somebody this morning, I'm going to tell you what you need to do. You need to call on Jesus and wake Jesus up, amen. To stop your mouth from rocking. And when they got Jesus up, amen, Jesus looked at the storm and told the storm, peace, be still. This boat, I'm going to translate it in Genesis Smallwood's translation. Boat, stop rocking, amen. Marriage, stop rocking, amen. Home, stop rocking, amen. Stops rocking. All right. Brothers, you don't have to leave here today with your boat rocking. All right. <laughs> I'm not in your home. I'm not in your marriage. I'm not in the life that you have with your children. I'm not in your community. You don't have to leave here with your boat rocking. Yes. Brother, if you, there's a brother out here who's not, who's not saved, you don't have to leave here with your boat rocking. You don't have to leave here wondering about how you're going to make it tomorrow. You don't have to leave here with nothing but bad choices. You got a great choice today, brother. You got a great choice today, Lord. If the Lord is calling your heart, He is calling you. I'm not opening those doors, but He is calling you to understand that Jesus yeah. is the one who stops your boat from rocking. Yeah. He saves. Because after He was on the cross, I'm picking it back up in my story. And they, they buried him in a tomb for one day. Yeah. Wasn't good enough. Two days wasn't yeah. good enough. But on that third day, yeah. they rolled a big rock away from the tomb. And they found that Jesus had gotten up. Yeah. And, they, and they found that he had gotten up. And he was raised from the dead. Amen. This is what we offer when we preach. All of this pomp and circumstance we do, this is what it's about. It's about That's Jesus. Right. It's about Jesus. That's why I'm sweating this morning. It's about Jesus. That's why I drove down from Woodstock. It's about Jesus. And he has a call on every man's life and truth be told, every woman's life too. But you've got to hear it. And in the atmosphere of all this preaching, I've got to leave you with this question. Are you rocking the boat? All right.